Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of the Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. My guest today is Ingrid Maynard, the founder and managing director of The Sales Doctor. Ingrid's on a mission. She's going to create a sales revolution and transform how people see and understand sales and salespeople. For over 25 years, Ingrid has worked with iconic Australian brands, including large listed and privately owned organisations, to improve sales team performance. She's known for ensuring the sales process enriches the salesperson, the customer, and others across the business value chain. Ingrid's passion for salespeople and leaders to show up differently is underpinned by her pathway to enrichment philosophy, grounded in behavioural modelling and neuroscience, enabling teams to take different actions to achieve results consistently and effectively. Ingrid Maynard, welcome to Tech Live. Thank you for having me. It's quite a mouthful of an introduction, actually. <laughs> it is, and I and people and don't know this, but it took me it took me about three takes, <laughs> and I pride myself on not needing that. That's beautiful, absolutely fantastic. It's great thank to you. have you here, and and thank you for joining us. Pleasure. I'm a salesperson from way back. Yes, but you know, you're not born a salesperson, and I have this theory, and you might prove me wrong, that when I'm recruiting salespeople. I look for people who can say the word sales without flinching hmm. because someone who comes and says, oh I'm, oh, I'm not a pushy salesperson, yes. I kind of think they're never going to be able to sell. Is yes. that true? Yeah, well, possibly. So I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that sales has become a dirty word mm. and I talk a lot about that. Uh, and it's unfortunate, actually, because when you think about the importance of a sales function and salespeople to the value of an organisation, they're critical. Without revenue flowing in, <laughs> generated by by salespeople, you, you don't really have an organisation or you, don't, you won't have one for very long if you're just relying on funds. So... It, it, it is unfortunate um, and I think that some of our relationship to that word sales comes from a really long time ago, like we were, we were saying earlier, um, from, from those associations and stereotypes that are perpetuated in movies, you know, Biff Lohman and, um, and some other movies like Glengarry Glen Ross where it's, it's that high pressure trying to force somebody into an outcome that they hadn't intended at all mm. and where it's really about the the salesperson's advantage and at the expense of the person that they're actually selling to and that's unfortunate because I actually haven't seen that behavior at all for probably about 20 years which I'm not necessarily saying is a good thing I'll talk about that later but um you know, that association with the word sales, I think when people have a, a really healthy perception of the value that they bring when they're in sales, then that word has a totally different association with it. And when they when they understand that selling is really about being of service to another human being, it's about getting outside of yourself, it's about really understanding what matters to that other person, then that word selling becomes something that's that's joyous and value-driven. Mm, interesting. When you say joyous. Yes. So I would suggest that there might be a different set of motivators. Yes. For salespeople. Yes. 
And everyone isn't motivated by the same thing. No. One salesperson might be very motivated by recognition and public recognition and that might be a massive demotivator for another. Yeah, you're right. And one might be really motivated by immersing themselves in a complex deal and understanding the ins and outs of them and that might be really demotivating for someone else who just wants a retail transaction one, one, one. Is there a is that part of the stereotype, do you think, that people are thinking that salespeople are one type? Hmm. I, I unfortunately, yes. Mm. <laughs> I, I think that when when people are recruiting for salespeople, they tend to look for the, for those people that have that that strong transactional mentality. Mm. And there there are roles that that's absolutely suitable for retail. You know, yeah, retail, and also um, ones that don't have a long sales cycle where yes. it's more immediate. Um, and so you need those people, but those people also really struggle with those longer term sales mm. cycles. So if you've got somebody who really enjoys the satisfaction that comes from you know creating sale after sale after sale after sale. Uh, in a more immediate sales environment and then you try to shoehorn them. Into a complex, sophisticated. They really struggle and it's and it's almost setting them up for failure. And some people I've just found, are, are, like you said, are, are motivated by different levers. And so finding people who have the right fit and the right um, – just, just that right approach to to what it is that they're meant to be doing and understanding how to do <laughs> either complex sales or those more immediate sales is really key. But they are very different people. So I find that the the people that ha- are able to work across complex deals and put those together, work across long term customer relationships, not only hunting them but also you know progressing them, nurturing them, not leaving opportunity on the table. Mm. They're people that almost have detective skills. They're they're curious, mm. they're they're patient, they they have a strategy in mind and they're able to plan that they're strategy discerning. to ex- Yes they are. They're discerning yeah. because yeah. they know what they're seeing. Mm. And they're making connections. Yes, they are. And they understand that it's not just about the decision maker. There's multiple stakeholders in that kind of environment as well. Whereas that more transactional, more immediate sales environment, there usually is a, you're standing in front of or you're sitting in front of that key decision maker. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the world of sales and the world of the sales team, which yes. is fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. And yeah. hours of conversation. Yeah. Let's lift it now to the organisation level. Okay. So, so many of our members would be saying right now that sales is their biggest issue. Mm. Yes. Or <laughs> well, so many businesses. Yeah. And it always is. Yeah. But you can't say that and then have a bias against sales and salespeople, can you? Well, you're going to struggle. Uh, yeah. You know, if if there's a negative association with the function of selling and the way that you go about selling, regardless of where that comes from, and yet that's what you need to do, there's just going to be that inner conflict. And an organisation is an organism. Mm. And so if that's part of the culture, that there's almost an anti-sales, it might not be overt, it might not be something that anyone would be able to say, oh, yes, that's on our wall, we're, we're not salespeople. But there's a there's an understanding that that's kind of not the way that we do things here, 
and yet that's what we need to achieve, there's going to be conflict. And when there's conflict, people go around things and they're not taking the most direct route to to market. And, and unfortunately with that, they get in their own way and they're not open to new ways of working so, yeah, at an organisational level, sales has never been more important. But there are some challenges today for, for most organisations and I think one of the challenges is, I mean, it's the talent shortage. You know that breakfast that we went to in Adelaide? I do. That, yes, that was fantastic. But what Warren... Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was. It really was. And And what Warren said that really struck me to my core and was reaffirming was... He said the talent shortage isn't going anywhere. Mm. And when we look at the statistics around the sales talent shortage, it's even more acute. So even if you can find what most of the audience will understand, warm bodies, yeah. you know, to, to fulfil some of those roles, even then you have a skills deficit. So it's a, when, I, when I talk about a sales talent shortage, I'm talking about both and if you're an organisation coming back to that association with the word sales, so you find those people and you don't have a positive association with selling or sales and you need those warm bodies to then perform, mm. how on earth are you going to do that? And, you know, I think you've just said something that connects with another thought I was having. So it's – and it may not just be a negative bias against sales. Yep. It might be a bit of a fear. Yeah. And ignorance, but not ignorance, but fear. Yeah. I don't know enough about this. Yes. I'm hopeless at this. Yes. I can't sell. Yeah. That I don't know what they do. Yeah. So there's that thought. And then the other one is you've just said something really interesting about even if you have warm bodies, you have a skills deficit. So let's come back to that because yeah. you can have employ all the right people, but there's always a skills deficit yes. in a sales team because – it's always something that needs renewal and improvement. You're right. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But let's talk about the leader of a business, yeah. a business owner, a CEO, a, a GM mm -hmm. that that is scared. I've got one for you. Someone in a professional services firm. Okay. Yeah. Any of those roles <laughs> where, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You should see Ingrid's face. <laughs> It's it's just yeah. a face of completely understand where I'm going. Yeah. Where, you know, one of your KPIs is you've got to fill your own book. You've got to bring your own thing. You've yes. got to bring your own people. Yes. So it must be hard for a leader in an organisation to have to think about driving growth through sales. Yes. When they're quite scared of this idea. Yeah. They're scared of the idea and they're scared that if they sell, in inverted commas, it will damage the relationship. You know, they yeah. they don't want to be seen as salesy. I mean, professional services firms have have really shied away from that word. Mm. You know, they they call yeah. their their partners anything other than sales. There's never <laughs> a sales word in the title. It's always yeah. business development, client relationship, client liaison, special special. I'm here to help you. Exactly. Do you know a funny thing? Just when you said that, I. Um, had a job as a sales VP. I was hired as a sales VP mm. years ago now, 15, 16 years ago. And I remember one of my team said, she's a bit salesy, isn't she? Wow. I was like. Um, like that... it was a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, number one, no, mm. I'm not. And number two, isn't that why they hired me? Mm. It was, and then I kind of clocked like, right, we might have a skills deficit here, but, or a mindset problem. That's, a long time ago and yeah. well in the past. Yeah, well. But 
Mm. I think it's fascinating when you say people shying away from the word yeah. and, and it doesn't matter what you call yeah. the the um, exchange of value. Yeah. So let's get back to this business owner who, who's scared, thinking it's going to damage relationships, yeah. it'll yeah. damage my reputation yes. and I may not be good at it. Yeah, I may not be good at it. Mm. They don't understand what it really is yeah, and how to go about is. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and also understanding the different requirements along the way. I mean, first you really need to be able to have a good solid connection with another human being. And that's usually where – so the, the people that think of themselves as really strong with relationships, that's kind of where it begins and ends. And they have an issue or a fear around having a commercial conversation. Yeah. They don't understand yeah. how to do that um, and uncover – what that measure of value is going to be from from the client's perspective and then be able to talk about their differentiators around some of those issues to in, to enable the the customer to to join the dots and understand that if I work with that person I'm going to get this level of value because I've now articulated for myself through the facilitation of the salesperson, what that value actually is. So they're scared to have that. And then you've got the people that are just really product driven and talk about product like it's going to sell itself. <laughs> and they they think that they've almost got to be, you know, walking brochures of technical expertise. And that's where you get as, you know, as a business owner or as a sales leader, people coming to you saying, I don't have enough product knowledge. I can't sell this because I don't know enough about yeah. the product. They don't understand that it's not the product or the, the features. And it's the customer and it's what that product or service does that does for the customer that they couldn't do without it. That's the piece that's really I, valuable. You know, I hear that so much. I don't have enough product knowledge. Yeah. And the and the reverse is if a salesperson walks into the room with me and opens up a laptop and is about to do a demonstration, <laughs> it's a joke in the business. I've had one of my team say, you've got two, two minutes till she leaves to take a phone call. So make it snappy. Yep. Because it's nothing about me. Yeah, that's right. It's about them. Right. And I could look up them online. I don't need to someone to tell me about them. So I've just got goosebumps because I feel like taking what you've just said and putting that up on a poster somewhere. It's not about me. It's about them. Yeah. And if more people associated selling with that phrase yes. and that phrase alone, um, we, we'd have very, very different levels of conversation. The world would be a better place. It would. I think it would. Yeah. So tell me how – let's – I'm just trying to get my mm. – my, thinking here. Let's start with what you said okay. about a skills deficit in a sales team. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. How do you address that? Oh, <laughs> well, this is a space I've been in for over 25 years and I, I have a passion for salespeople because they never pass go really. They're only ever measured on their past performance, you know, their most yes. recent sale. Okay. And so, and they're the most visibly obvious um, performers in a business. And so I really feel for them. Um, everything's fine and everyone ignores them while everything seems to be ticking along, even when there's a skills deficit there, because they think, oh, look, you know, they're, they're achieving target. Don't Leave touch them. them. Alone. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, touch don't it. mess with the. Don't mess with yeah. it. It's, you know, it's working. Um, mm. But 
as soon as things start to, you know, to happen, even from the outside, like you might have a new competitor come into the space where previously you you dominated or that person dominated, um, you might have, uh, you know, a, a, a downturn in the market. And so all of a sudden the available spend shrinks. You might have the same value for a product, but all of a sudden the percentage of that spend has significantly gone up. So something that might have been 5% of spend is now all of a sudden 20%. And if you're a salesperson that doesn't have the skill set to be able to communicate value delivered in, in, a, mm. in, a, mm. in an easy way for the client to understand, then you, you, you've got that issue there too. Look, I really feel for sales. So when we come to an organisation, when I come to an organisation and we talk about what's required, gee, you know, it's it's just such a... <laughs> you know, a varying degree of, of of skills. So some people are brand new, have never sold before and so need very clear basics of what selling actually is. Mm-hmm. And then you've got other people who don't, I know this sounds terrible, but they don't necessarily understand their role. They don't understand what's required of them and then even when they understand the metric that they'll be measured on, they don't understand the how. They don't understand the value, uh, the the uh, behaviours that are required in order to achieve that goal. And so it's about breaking that down for them, and giving them tools that they can lean on. And then you've got other people who are new to sales leadership. I mean, you would have seen this, Stephanie. You know, where you've got people that have been the best salespeople. Yeah. And then they're plucked out of that. Classic. Yeah. So you, so you lose this, your best salesperson. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you lose your best salesperson. And, and you get an inexperienced sales leader. Yeah. You know, what can go wrong? Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden then they feel the heat because sales mm. performance is going down. And if, they're, if they've never been trained, so they don't understand actually what that – what that pathway to success for them was, their own success recipe. Mm. They've just lucked on something through trial and error. They've grabbed onto it. They've kept repeating it. And then all of a sudden they're plucked out of that. They don't understand how to help other people who are struggling to be good at selling because it was so natural for them. And not one person's way of selling is not everyone's way of selling. There isn't one formula no. or one size no. fits all. No. There are certain behaviours that are going to be good for everyone to adopt, but the way that they adopt them will be personal. How do you identify what the behaviours need to be? Great question. And so that you can coach and upskill a diverse team. Well, I'm loving your question because that comes from a very deep understanding of sales. Mm. Yeah, that to, that to me says everything about you. Um, so you're a great guest, Ingrid. Very positive. <laughs> oh well, no, no, no. I'm well, on t-shirts. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you're on canvases. Yeah, in my office. Um, no, no, no. So so behaviour is everything. So for me, sales is an action game, and you can't think your way into it. You need to behave your way into it. But understanding the behaviours. That are going to lead to the outcomes is key and it's the thing that really helps a sales coach or a sales leader be good at what they do. So every, in my opinion, every business needs to have uh, a model of excellence. So what I normally do is I take um, their best model of excellence and say, okay, let's reverse engineer what it is that they do really well into observable behaviours 
to create a set of behaviours uh, according to how they sell and the different types of roles will be different and have different behaviours um, in order for not only a new person but that person to also understand what good looks like and how to execute. And and I have two, I mean, you mentioned it in the intro, but I talk about being effective and consistent. You need to have both of those things because if you're only consistent with poor behaviours, that's not going to work. And if you're effective inconsistently, that's not going to work. So you need to understand both. So you need to be have the, the behaviours that are going to be effective in that role and, and apply them consistently. Um, and, and those behaviours may include activity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. how the, it, it's about the quality of how they're executing those behaviours and that will be individual. So then what you can do with that, once you've got that, you, that person, that salesperson can use that as a self-coaching tool mm. um, so that oh. they can say, okay, well, this is, you know, did I, how did I go there? You know, did I achieve my outcome? Where did I fall down? And they've got the clues there because they've got all of the observable behaviours of what they should have done. And then they can identify and pinpoint what they perhaps failed to do or what they didn't do to the degree that they needed to. And then they can, re, you know, go back over that in their minds, think about what they need to go back with that client to fix. And as a sales leader, you've got a tool that takes all of the subjectivity out of behaviour because that's normally very subjective. You've got that objective um, criteria. So you're both sitting down talking about the behaviours so that you can coach to that more effectively. You can set greater action. Um, that's why I loved what you said because most people don't think about sales as a set of behaviours. They think of sales as a set of targets and that's the difference. Yeah, right. And that's the game changer with anything yep. in strategy implementation is the lead indicators. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for anyone listening. I'm, I just it was like you know just championing that that statement as well. And so again, you know how you, you know when you're in a business and you're you've just recruited somebody and you take, you know you're so del- we're talking about sales talent shortage here and warm bodies mm. and talent and skills. How um, you find this person, you think, oh, you know we've we've recruited them, we've found them, we've interviewed them, we've reference checked them, we're getting them on board. Um, and you, you might have a trial period of, say, six months. Mm. And, you know, you think, oh, no, that's good. Six months will give us a really good... Such a long time. Yeah, really long such time. a long time. Yeah. But what if your sales cycle is three years? Yeah. How do you actually evaluate the performance of that person? Because clearly they're not, they're not necessarily going to have the target by that stage. So how are you going to evaluate that person's ability to potentially achieve that target without those leading indicators? Mm. They're the difference. So if those people are performing those behaviours, which are leading indicators consistently and effectively, they're on track to achieve their target. But without those, you're using your gut instinct and you know, might as well be, you know, just checking the, well, the direction to of the wind. Two years from now. Yeah, exactly. And that whole they're gonna make it, not gonna make it, it's awful. Yes. So so kind of a hypothesis then about the business leader. Yes. Who's a little fearful or cynical or something of sales. Yes. They could actually look at a well run sales function. Mm. And see a part of the business that they really need to apply to the rest of the business. Right. Wow. So if they've got a function that they get right 
because it's observable. Yes. Lead indicators, behaviours. Yes. Self-reflective, self-coaching people. Yes. And clear outcomes. Yes. That's that's the challenge for every business leader across the whole organisation. <laughs> yes. And yet... And, mm. and yet they don't because sales mm. is often isolated as a team or department or thing. That's right. But actually it could be a an incubator yes. for the very best strategy design and implementation. Wow. Yes, it could be. Yes. So where do you start with a leader who really needs to get their sales function humming mm. and they're just saying all that kind of stuff to you that we've talked about? Oh, what do I say? <laughs> yeah. Uh well, the, the first thing would be really thinking about what their vision for the future is in relation to where they are at the moment and then I take them on a journey because mm. without that leader really understanding mm. what's required and the fact that things don't happen overnight, there is no silver bullet. Mm. I know I'm preaching mm. to the choir here but there is no silver bullet when it comes to selling, particularly if salespeople have been left to their own devices for the longest time there's been no accountability, there's been no oversight, there's been no support really um, and all of a sudden we now need to do something with our salespeople mm. and, you know, the, le- the the leader of the organisation is thinking, gosh, I thought that, the, you know, the sales manager or the national sales manager or the sales director would be all over that but actually it's really important that they have a sales mindset as well because their vision for the future of the organisation will be you know, in direct proportion to the ability of the sales function to be able to help them to realise that. And moreover, I, I, I like how you talked about, you know, the sales function being an incubator of strategy. I just went, gosh, it's amazing. Um, but that really, so when you think about the behaviours, what good looks like there, and you transmute that out across the business, you then develop a high-performing culture with the business that is all measured on their performance of certain types of behaviours, remembering that everyone in the organisation actually has a customer. They're delivering value. There's a value exchange between everyone in an organisation and how are we treating everyone inside the organisation, around the, the business ecosystem and beyond as a customer. Yeah. Really, yeah, interesting and I love that way of you could start in one area and go broad or you could start at the beginning and go. Ingrid, so interesting. So sales teams, um, a sales mindset through an organisation, everyone has a customer. Yes. That's, that's critical. Yes. There's so much to unpack in this conversation. Yes. And I've enjoyed it. Oh, I've loved too. swapping ideas with you. Me too. Ingrid Maynard, thank you so much for joining us on Tech Live. It's just I've got the biggest smile on my face. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. So that's Tech Live for today. CEOs are in the business of making decisions and leadership is the art of execution. I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time. Mm-hmm.